Well, I thought that song had two more verses to it. Great job, guys. Choir, thank you so much. And all of you took part in worship. And this is a great time here this morning. And I don't know any other place I'd rather be than right here today. Mm. Matthew chapter 28. We'll look at that passage again this morning. And we've been dealing with soul winning. And I want us to look at uh, the authority of Jesus, Matthew 28. And uh, we'll look at verses uh, 18 through 20, familiar passage. On Sunday night, we're teaching a soul-winning class, and so this will be our fourth Sunday night. We have a good number in that class, and so um, if you haven't been on Sunday night, let me encourage you to come. Be here tonight. We'll be starting at 5 o'clock. We're learning about soul-winning and how to be a soul-winner, how to lead people to Jesus, and that's what he expects us to do, and so I I hope and pray that you'll be able to be back tonight. Adults, youth, and adults meet in here, and then our children meet discipleship classes. And, and so, uh, if you would, I hope you're here tonight because uh, Jesus gives us this commission uh, to go out into the world. And as we're going into the world to, uh, to win people to him, to share the gospel, and to baptize those who believe the gospel, and to teach them to dis- disciple them, after they come to know Christ. And so uh, this is a message to the church this morning, but still a message to those who are without Christ. So if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, uh, we just sang about the great I am still is. I hope today we're going to talk about the Lord Jesus and what he can do for you in your life. And, and I know I was a child, uh, well, I was almost a teenager when I asked Christ to come into my life and save me. I'm so glad I, <clears throat> I did that at an early age. I really am. Although I didn't know at that time I'd be, I'd be standing behind the pulpit anywhere. But um, <clears throat> I'm so glad I did that at an early age. And I've talked to a lot of people who were saved at a later age in life. And their, their one thing that they hated so much is, you know, why didn't I do this sooner? Well, let me, let me mention this to you. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, I don't know why you wouldn't want to be a part of the family of God. I mean, it's such a blessing. And, and I hope, I know I, I love you, and you know, we love each other. And God loves you more than anyone. He sent his son to die on the cross for your sins, for you to be able to become a child of his. Think of that. Um, so I pray today, if you're listening or if you're here or wherever, whatever you're doing, that you'll just pause and recognize the God, the great I am. And he's always going to be, always been, always going to be. And, and one day, uh, you're on a destiny. Uh, your destiny is to meet him one day. And you'll meet him as a believer or you'll meet him as a judge. But you make a little memory in your heart or on your mind that you're on a, you're in a, on a destiny to, to meet the great I am one day. You'll meet him. No way you're going to get by it. And I pray today you'll make that decision to come in faith and trust Jesus Christ. That's how you meet him uh, as a believer. is through his son. Matthew chapter 28. We've read this several times, but maybe God will speak to us in a different way today. 
And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority, now some translations, and we'll talk about that, has all power. All authority is a better translation, and I'll explain that in a moment. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together in worship. My goodness, Lord, how my heart was blessed to worship you this morning. And I pray, Lord, that we blessed your name and the songs we sang and the words we, we sung. And I just pray, Lord, you were honored and glorified this morning. Father, give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them, and allow your Holy Spirit to go from person to person today. And Father, I pray that when we walk out of here, Lord, that all of us have submitted to your Lordship in our lives, and we can rightfully say, God is my God, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit lives within me. What a testimony. Be with me, I pray, as I share your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever thought who's the most powerful person in the entire world? Think of that. Some would say that the President of the United States, I've heard this said, President of the United States, whatever president that would be, they're the most powerful person in the world because he's the leader of the most powerful nation in the industrialized world. Some would say, no, it's not the President, it's the Pope of the Holy Roman Catholic Church. Because he governs the largest religious group in the world. So he must be the most powerful person in the world. Some would say, no, it's, it's, it's not the Pope, but it's the men and women on Wall Street that manage our finances and carry on the business in America. No, they're not the, they're not the most powerful person. Some would say, well, no, it's the Secretary of Treasury because uh, she advises the president and the cabinet of all the uh, economic issues that we're facing as a nation. She's not the strongest person in the world or the most powerful person in the world. A couple of weeks ago, you remember watching TV, and the leaders from all the industrialized nations, they came together, the United Nations, they came together, met in New York, and they discussed major problems that we're facing in our world in our world. All of them met and discussed problems of world problems. They talked about poverty, talked about world trade or free trade. They talked about COVID. They even talked about foreign aid. They talked about Ukraine. They talked about global warming and climate change. A lot of people are talking about global warming and climate change now. And I want to give you a piece of mind. Don't worry about the world coming to end in about two years or three years. We don't get certain emissions under control. This is what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. As long as the earth endures, seed time, harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Don't worry about all of that. God's in control because we'll find he's the most powerful person that exists today. Can you imagine all those powerful people coming together and meeting in one room? There in New York, 
but yet not a single person could just come forward and claim to be the most powerful person, the one with the most, uh, most uh, authority. So the question is, who is the most powerful person? I'm thinking I've given that away. Who's the most powerful person? The one with the most authority. Well, Matthew 28, 18 tells us, gives us the answer. Jesus said, all power, all power, all authority. Not, not some power, not some authority, but all power. Now, that word power comes from a Greek word which refers to power slash authority. In other words, along with this power comes authority with the with the the right to use it. He has the right to use his power. He has the right to use his authority. You know, the President of the United States, he has some power, he has some authority, but he, he's limited in how he can use it by the Constitution of the United States. But, but God has all power and all authority, and he has the right to use it any way that he sees fit. So the point is, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has all the right of absolute authority and all the resources of absolute power. He has that. And he has all absolute authority. Notice, he, he said, I have all authority in heaven. He has all absolute authority in heaven. If you take your notes, he has his authority in heaven. Uh, he has authority over the cherubims. He has authority over the seraphims. He has the, 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 the authority over the thrones and dominions. He has authority over the fallen angels or the unfallen angels. And fallen angels, but the unfallen angels. Those angels that ascend and descend all day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for years and years, uh, ascending and descending from earth to heaven, from heaven back to earth. Those angels uh, who minister to those to us who are heirs of salvation, and, and they're, they are, they're standing with us right now. The angels fill this room. We just can't see spiritual beings, but they're here in this room, and more importantly, they're with us at the time of death. And so we have to realize he has power. He has all authority in heaven. So the heavenly host, they, they rejoice in his authority and his power the power and authority of Jesus Christ. However, not only does it have absolute power and authority in heaven, and, but it has power and authority also on earth, on earth. Kingdoms, they rise and they fall. Empires rise and fall. Nations, they come and go. Uh, generations, generations come and go. Generation. Look at the generations in our past. Look at our parents for most part, our parents, our grandparents, surely perhaps, have come and they've gone, and that generation's gone. Generations come and they go. They, they vanish. But remember, nothing happens on earth outside the permissive will of God who has all power and all authority. Now, we don't understand all things that go on. All we know is that God's on his throne. He's yielding all power, willed in all power, willed in all authority on earth as it is in heaven. And so with that in mind, we just, uh, you know, uh, come what may. doesn't really matter because we know God is in control. Matthew chapter 4, verse uh, 35 through 41. I won't read that passage. You read it later on. 
But you remember the story. Jesus and his disciples, they're on the shore. They go out into a boat. And while they're on the Sea of Galilee, a storm comes up. Had a privilege years ago to go to go to Jerusalem and had a boat ride across the Sea of Galilee. And about halfway across the Sea of Galilee, a storm came up. Man, it, it reminded me of this passage. And, the, and after that storm, there was a beautiful rainbow stretched all the way across the Sea of Galilee. And so, same situation here with Jesus. This boat, storm came up, began to take on water. The wind was blowing real hard. It was a real nasty storm. And Jesus, he'd found him a, a place uh, in, in, in the hinder quarters of the boat. He was taking a little nap, and the disciples went, and they woke him up, and, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace be still. And, and there was a great calm. And those that were on the boat said this, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? There in verse 41. You see, not only does Jesus manifest his authority and his, his power in heaven, but he, he manifests that on earth. And the neat thing about it all, he wants to manifest his power and his authority in your life and in my life. And this morning, some of you feel like your life is like a sinking ship right now. You don't know what you're going to do. I mean, you're broken and you're battered by the wind and the ways of this world until you feel like there's no more hope. There's nothing left. But friend, listen, Jesus Christ wants to bring peace. He wants to bring calm to your storm-torn life. And let me encourage you to put your faith and trust in him. He's the one that has all the power, all authority. Never forget that because he wants to give you stability, whatever you're going through, how rough it might be. He wants to calm that down. He wants to give you, he wants you to be steadfast, unmovable, faith in him, trust in him. He wants you to endure, to go through what you're going through. You'll go through it. He'll go through it with you. But don't give up on Jesus. He wants to take your storm, toss life, and give it some stability and get it on a course of endurance. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. And so uh, he wants uh, to manifest. He manifests his power and authority in heaven, on earth, and he wants to do that same thing for you same thing for me. So first of all, Jesus has all power in heaven and on earth, and he wants to have that in your life. Now that, with that in mind, Jesus, first of all, he has the ability, when it comes to our lives, he has the ability to forgive sin, has the ability to forgive sin. Matthew chapter uh, 9, verse 1 through 8, I'll tell that story. You read it later. Jesus came to Capernaum. And if you remember, a man was brought to him that was on a bed, and he was uh, a paralytic, he was paralyzed. He was sick, a palsy, the Bible says. He was paralyzed. He was lying on his bed. And Jesus goes up to him, and after a short visit with him, he said this. He said, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Think of that, verse 2. Be of good cheer. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes thought to themselves, well, this is blasphemy for him to say something like that. And verses 4 through 8, Jesus began, he began to rebuke them. But Jesus had power to forgive 
sins. He had the authority to forgive sin. But listen, Jesus has the power and authority to forgive your sin. This is just not Bible stories that we read about, but these are things that happen in the Bible, but also that we can experience the same thing. This man experienced paralysis. Well, we can experience that. He experienced forgiveness of sin. Well, you, can, you and I can experience forgiveness of sin. He has the power and authority to forgive us our sin. Doesn't matter if you're an adulterer. Doesn't matter if you're a fornicator. Doesn't matter what label society puts on you. Doesn't matter if you're a drug addict, if you're a murderer, if you're a prostitute, if you're a homosexual, if you're a liar, if you're a hypocrite, if you're a gossiper. The list goes on and on. The Bible says that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. And Jesus has the power. Now listen and the authority to forgive our sins. And, to, and he has the resources for that. Don't forget, he has the power, he has the resources. Nothing can hold him back from forgiving us our sins. So Jesus has the power, wants to manifest his power and authority in your life. First of all, he can forgive you of your sins. But secondly, jot this down, he has the power to save you. Now, he can forgive your sins... But you and I are sinners. We're sinners by birth and by, by choice. We, we can't save ourselves. That's the kicker. You know, there's nothing we can do in order to save ourselves. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. At least anyone should boast. We don't have nothing to boast about except we're just a sinner saved by the grace of God. But he can save us. He will save us. The Bible says... By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. You see, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. And so he can save us. He can give us eternal life. And so the moment you see yourself as a sinner, you turn from your sin. That's repentance. You ask Christ to forgive you. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came, he died, he was buried, he arose again on the third day. He's coming again one day. And be willing to receive him into your life. The Bible says in John 1 verse 12, As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So Christ forgives you, Christ saves you, Christ gives you eternal life. Eternal life. Present tense. Look, if you will, I, I'm going to read John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse uh, 15 through 18. It's worth reading. And all this other was too, but for the sake of time, let me read this. And uh, I think we're good. For God so loved the world that he gave his only... Be well, look at verse 15. Verse 15 said, Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Turn over a chapter to chapter 5. Look at verse 24. Uh, verse 24, chapter 5, verse 24. Let me find it. Here it is. Most assuredly, I say to you, uh, 
He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has, as present tense, everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but he has passed from death unto life. Turn back to John 3 and look at verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, present tense. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And look at chapter 6. Chapter 6, turn over the book of John is full of eternal life. Chapter 6, verse uh, 39. Chapter 6, verse 39, I believe it is. 39 says, This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up on the last day. Speaking about us, Jesus is. Verse 40, And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. So Jesus Christ has the authority, the power to forgive you. He has the, the authority and the power to save you. He has the authority and the power to make a new creation out of you. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So being made into a new creature, and I got thinking about that's kind of like a caterpillar being made into a butterfly. You know, a, a caterpillar, originally this caterpillar was earthbound. It was, it was a crawling creature. And then it weaves this cocoon, and it's totally immersed in that cocoon. And then a marvelous process takes place. It's called metamorphosis. And all of a sudden, that caterpillar that was a worm and went into a cocoon and comes out as a beautiful butterfly. And that that's great. Once it was ground-bound, and now it soars above the ground. It soars above the earth. It, it views life skyward and not downward. It's changed completely. And so when you see a butterfly, you don't say, hey, look at that old worm flying around. You don't say that. You say, look at that beautiful butterfly. Now, why do you say that? Because it was converted into a new creation, and God did that. And so when you trust Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, he creates you into a new creation, a new creature. You don't think in terms of what you were. You see, uh, you think in terms of what you are and who you are now. And, and that's how God looks at us. The point is, when you receive Christ, God sees you as a new creature, a new creation in Christ. And so, the truth of the matter, you're never going to be a worm again. You're never going to be that old person again because God changes you. One way you know you're saved or not, if your life's been changed. If your life hasn't been changed, then I'm sorry, you, you, you're trying to do something else besides trust Christ for your salvation. He'll change you. So Jesus has the authority to forgive sin, he has authority to save you, he has authority to make you into a new creation, and then he has the power, the authority to resurrect you. And I'm going to close with this. He has this authority to raise our bodies from the dead. I was talking to a person yesterday, he called me the night, he called me night before last, and he says, Brother Sammy, and told me his name, you remember me? And I said, I sure do. And I had to think for a while, and he, he reminded me where he lived at one time. And, and I said, yeah, I remember you. I remember your wife and called her name. And, and he said, well, I'm on my deathbed. I'm dying. In fact, I thought I was going to die last night. And he said, um, uh, 
just want to talk to you a minute. And he was, he was interested in, uh, uh, want to know about our cemetery and all that. And, and so I talked to him a little about that. And then I, then I hung up. Now I thought about him all night. Uh, uh, off and on, dear, and I'd wake up in my sleep and think about him. So yesterday, I drove over to his house, and uh, I said, you said something to me last night that really just, you said you were on your deathbed, and, and he is. He said, well, I thought I was dying last night. And so I said, well, let me, let me share something with you. And I shared the best news with him. had an opportunity to share the best news, but he was a believer. had an opportunity to share with him about death, and about how, how death had come and God's own time in and how his life had been changed. And when we die, this body is left behind. This, uh, this shell is left behind. This tabernacle, this tent that houses this body is buried here, laid to rest here. But our soul as a believer is with the Lord. And one day, we're gonna be, our body's going to be resurrected. And that's called the rapture for the Christian. First Thessalonians chapter... Uh, Chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Listen to this. You know, but let God speak to you. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those believers who are dead. Least you sorrow as others who have no hope. We're going to grieve and we're going to have sorrow, but as a Christian, it's not sorrowing like those that don't have Christ in their life. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so will Bring, uh, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we in Christ who are alive and remain shall be called up with them. Those who have died, they'll go up first. And then we and we'll meet in, in, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. And so there's a resurrection coming for the believer. For the believer. Everybody else that's not a believer, they, they stay here for a while. But turn, if you will, to... To Revelation chapter 20, and you're going to see another, you're going to see another resurrection. Resurrection chapter 20, I'm on the end of this. Look at verse, uh, uh, well, I've got to read verse 4 before it leads us right into verse 5 with a very important point. Uh, Paul, uh, John said, I saw thrones, and them that sat on it, the judgment was committed to them, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witnesses to Jesus. For the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or hands, and they lived and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So there's that thousand-year reign. Then he says this, verse, verse 5, But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. So all the lost people were going to remain dead uh, that had died. They're going to go through a great, terrible tribulation before the kingdom comes those who are still alive, but those who have died, lost, there's going to be a resurrection. And um, if you'll drop down to verse, uh, uh, look at verse 11. After they're, they're raised, then I saw a great white throne who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And 
I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open, another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in those books. Remember, you, you can't get to heaven with works. You can't enter heaven with works. And they're being judged, and they're going to find out their works were not good enough. Got to trust Christ. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead who was in it, who were in it, death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to their works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So you have that second resurrection, the first for the believer at the rapture, the second for the lost as they were res resurrected, and they stand before the great white throne to be judged according to their works. Not going to be good enough. And then they're tossed into the lake of fire for eternity. And so Jesus has the power to forgive sins, the authority, has the authority to save us, has the authority to make us a new cre uh, creation, has the authority to, to resurrect us uh, from the grave. And so the invitation is for you today who have never received Christ to come today to be a part of his family. The invitation today is he wants to manifest his authority in your life, over your life. He wants to forgive you. He wants to recreate you. He wants you to be called up to be with him forever during the calling out of the church. And you can receive him today, today, by simply placing your faith in Christ Jesus. There is a, a hymn that came to mind when I was in study praying this morning. And uh, we don't sing it anymore. I don't believe it's in our hymn book, but it's in the old Broadman. And it goes like this. And I appreciate the singing and about the power of God and the great uh, God I, is the great I am. And, and it, says, it says this, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like a fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim King and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's just something about that name. It's not going to pass away. All powerful, has all authority in heaven, on earth, and wants to have that over your life. You give that to him, you'll have, submit to his lordship, you'll have that, you'll have the promises that he's made to all believers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity I have to stand in the pulpit to share with people about your saving grace. I thank you, Lord, for the power and authority that you have. And, Lord, the resources that you have to bring everything you want to do together. God, you have everything. In, you got the whole world in your hands, the whole wide world. And so at this time, Lord, during this invitation, I pray for those who are here this morning who have never trusted you as Lord, and I don't know what they're waiting on. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would soften their heart. And Lord, that for the first time, perhaps, you've gotten through, and they know they need a Savior, and you're the Savior they need. And I pray just in childlike faith, they step forward, say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. I want to trust him to be my Lord, my Savior. 
I want him to forgive me of my sins. I want him to write my name in that book of life. I want to be part of that rapture that's called away, the church that's called up. I want to be a part of that. And Father, I pray for every person here and those who are viewing by other means. Some are viewing today and they've never trusted you. They may trust it in something, but not you. And help them realize that one day their works, they're going to be judged by their works. And no one does enough works, a good works, to obtain salvation. And so I pray this morning, Lord, that the message that you have for us have got, has gotten through. You're all powerful. You have all authority in heaven and earth. And you want to demonstrate that in our life by forgiving us of our sins giving us eternal life, creating us new, resurrecting us from the grave, carrying us with you to heaven, my mind. So be with this invitation, I pray, as people listen to your Holy Spirit and as they come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you. today. You may not have another one.